go and hello and welcome back to another episode of the midnight kitchen talk uh, this is a podcast where um we kind of just talk about everything it was all inspired by conversations i had with really good friends at uni um just at the kitchen at 12 o'clock at night and they just went on for three or four hours um and yeah we just talk about everything and life in this podcast so today uh, i've got a very special uh, friend and guest of mine and it is um, a good friend tori how are you Hi, Tom. I'm good. How are you doing? Not too bad. We're, we're doing all right. Um, so, yeah, uh, I met Tori um, in Birmingham um, through a mutual friend. Um, and we just clicked and became really, really good friends um, after the first time we met, just even before a night out. Um, and Tori is a very special person. She's, um, she's into kind of the same music as me, um, kind of a very deep person a lot of really well good beliefs and values and um she's actually specializes in a lot of to, stuff to do with health and spirituality um and it's something that i kind of want to get her on the podcast and discuss and kind of expose people to some of these new um things that they may have not maybe not not have heard of but not explored and find out what it's actually about and kind of see um if it's something that they could potentially apply to their life or um kind of help as well that Tori to kind of give a little platform to um, show what she specializes in um, because we, I know she's got a lot of businesses and stuff within this and it's something she's really passionate about so um, yeah so just to start off uh, just as a general question um, growing up especially uh, what was it like for you actually just growing up um, especially abroad as well um, and how that's kind of impacted you or what differences could you see between um, living in Belgium and stuff as opposed to England uh, because I know that um, especially people that listen to this will all mostly be from the UK and they won't actually understand what it's like in a different culture to grow up and how different you kind of found England when you came over if university to um, back home. Yeah, absolutely. Great question to start off with. Um, this is, this is one that really has a lot of meaning to me and is something that, you know, is kind of on my mind most days. I, I kind of feel like one of my biggest challenges that I've faced growing up is, is the identity crisis. Um, you know, everyone you meet, it's so easy to sort of say, where do you come from? And they're like, you know, in one word, they tell you where they're from. And I'm always like, do you want the short story or the long story? And I can never just say it in one word because it wouldn't feel right, whatever I said. And um, yeah, so that's always been quite tough. But I think like to sort of explain, um, my parents are from Scotland. So by blood, I am Scottish. I have a British passport, but I was born in the Netherlands and I've grown up in Belgium from the age of three. So yeah, third culture kid, I like quite often call myself. Um, and I think having that though, you know, I would definitely say the pros outweigh the cons massively because, uh, you know, at the end of the day, who wants to be like everyone else anyway? It brings a bit of individuality, a bit of uniqueness, which is such a nice thing to be able to have. Um, I think like, yeah, it's definitely given me or contributed towards some of my better qualities or, you know, some of the skills that I have that have been very useful for me uh, in the achievements that I've made so far, like open-mindedness, um, communication, even things like emotional intelligence and just understanding people because I've just been so used to living in an environment where people are coming and going all the time. I went to the British International School outside of Brussels so I had friends from all over the world you know and because of that 
you'd always be so used to someone coming from a different place and you'd have to really think about how you would approach them. Um, you know, maybe sometimes even find out a little bit about the culture of that place first to work that out. So it was just having that interest um, also in, in, in wanting to, to be a good person and helping people fit in as well. Um, so yeah, that, that was really a, a great thing and it's made me very appreciative and passionate about culture and travel. Yeah. Um, so I think that's such a, a beautiful thing to be able to be interested in, in a world which is just continuing to globalize and becoming more multicultural, cross-cultural. So that's really great. And uh, yeah, so I think going to uni in the UK was quite um, an interesting experience because I had a lot of expectations as to how, you know, that was going to be. Yeah. I think up until that point, I really, really felt strongly that I was British and I would tell people I'm Scottish when I was at school. Um, yeah, Scottish, British, whatever. I do have a little bit of a bit of English in me as well. Um, but then once I actually went there, I realized I'm really not that British at all. Like I, even though I sound like it, I've just grown up in a completely different place. You know, I've been surrounded by people speaking Flemish, French, yeah. and then all these other cultures, like country, uh, languages, sorry. So when I was integrating and I found, you know, particularly with English people, um, it was just so obvious to me that I just wasn't like them. Yeah. Like it was just, it really hit home that I was like, wow, I'm actually, yeah. Like this is what my passport says, but this isn't actually really who I am. And then I started to really think a lot about like labels and just kind of understanding who we are as people and how we associate ourselves or what we expect from ourselves based on all of the the labels that we put on ourselves based on the experiences that we've had um the different aspects of the environments that we live in which we just associate as us and we just you know interpret as us but i think through through this has been quite an enlightening experience because it's made me realize that I am more than that. Like there is more to who I am than just being this nationality. And, you know, you don't always have to just be from one place and that's just who you are. Like, you know, what if you can sort of be a mixture of different things and what does it even matter anyway? Like you just are who you are. Like it just actually doesn't even matter where you come from. Just yeah. you do yeah. you, you know? Cause I think that's the thing I've always been like, is like, I've always, I think it kind of what I'd relate it to is kind of patriotism and I've never been yeah. a patriot because in my head, if I break down everything in life, I, I didn't really chose to be born where I was. It would just physically happened. And mm -hmm. it's just, I'm born on a certain piece of land and it just means that do I have to be this type of person because I live in this country? Do I have to have these views about the country? Do I have to always support my nationality and stuff like this? And I think like when I kind of explored that to its deepest point, I was just like, I like it doesn't matter. Like what is most important is who you are. So when I always see people who are like extremely patriotic or proud to be British and I'm like, well, what, what does that really mean? Like, I understand that you have the freedom to live in a country, but I suppose wherever you were born, that freedom will always be there. So I think yeah. that's kind of like where I'd relate that kind of thing to. And that's why I've always, especially like 
when I always tell people that I'm part, like, part Hungarian, part Austri- Austrian in the background of my heritage, I'll always include it because I'll never be like a person who's like, I'm solely British, I'm solely that. And I think it's good to give people that diversity and people people do appreciate when you're, you're kind of open about your upbringing and stuff like that. And especially when you kind of discovered those changes, was it something that did it not necessarily hit you hard when you realised that you were a bit different in terms of that, considering all your upbringing and stuff? Was it kind of a, a harsh reality or were you already used to the concept of change through your childhood? So you didn't kind of find it impacted you at all um, when you kind of discovered those different things. And when you came to uni, you were like, maybe I'm not like quite a few of these people. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, it actually, it wasn't a complete surprise because prior to uni, I did actually live in Edinburgh for one year when I was 13 to 14. And that was really when it hit me hard because I was really at that point where I was becoming a teenager, you know, hormones were starting to kick in and this is when, you know, your world starts just going a bit weird. Um, and I had a really tough time there. Like I got bullied and that was, that was awful. And that was, you know, like the, probably like the worst time of my life. Um, and uh, yeah, I think like what hit me hard was because at that point I really expected, I'm going to go move in Scot- move to Scotland and it's just going to be great, you know, and, yeah. and it was a really bad age. And I think it was just a co- a, like a combination of all these factors were just very not in my favor um and people were just not nice and not accepting and I was just I realized then I was like wow wow I really am not Scottish and I think unfortunately that has created a little bit of resentment um Mm. since then it certainly did at the time so that's something I'm still trying to work through now and just kind of accepting that that's okay and I think for a while after I was really just like not really wanting to go to Scotland or when I was there I was just like really bad vibes and really just becoming even more like attached to Belgium and just disassociating from that. But yeah, I think that's something that I've worked through a bit as I've gotten older, as I've matured. And I think when I, when I went to the UK, I was wondering, I wonder if England will be different because it's, it's not Scotland. And I think because people were older, you know, at uni, then, you know, if I'd moved to Scotland at that point when I was like 18 or something, I'm sure it would have been much better. But, you know, I wondered it, it probably would have been the same if I'd moved to England, you know. Um, and I think it's ultimately just people having their kind of, you know, seeing something is different, seeing something that's not familiar to them. They don't understand how to approach that. So for them, it's like reject. It's like, I don't know how to deal with this. You have two types of people who are either be interested in that and the others that are like, this isn't familiar, it's not for me. Yeah. Um, so when I came to the UK, I had to psych myself up because I was like, okay, this has happened before, but I think it's going to be better because, as I said, people are older, people are more mature. You will get some international people in there as well. Um, but I think that did have an effect on how I integrated myself because I did sort of feel, well, if I just try and act like all the, all the people around me, then I'll just slow in and it'll be fine. And I think that was something that I did deal with and that I'm dealing with now is trying to come back to myself, but come back to who I really am. Cause I do feel like a lot of who I was at uni was often at times acting as if how I thought I should have been yeah. and often being afraid to really express how I felt about things in case people judge me for it. Um, 
So yeah, it's been real food for thought in many ways. So when we, what about for you? Like even obviously you've got a different situation, but from being from Preston and things, and then, you know, even just going down a little bit South to Birmingham, how did you notice? Did you notice any inter- intercultural things? It's like, cause England is obviously very different from the North to the South. So yeah. like for me, um, I'd say I'd point on two things. So like when you said about obviously the bullying at school and stuff, that's one thing I always touch on about with people who always come to me for especially advice on anxiety. Um, And one thing I always like to explain to people is that there's such a massive ignorance as kids through learning that when cultural norms, differences, whatever come about because of how we're institutionalized and things like that, there's always these elements of like difference isn't good or people are kind of always very harsh as kids. And I mean, I'd never say I've been bullied, but I've had experiences where, especially just because of the color of my hair, mm-hmm. um, I've had people do mad random stuff to me. Yeah. Um, not, not like, I wouldn't say stuff. I'd just say like, name calling and stuff like that or I'd get singled out for my hair um when you get older um people grow up and it doesn't become a thing anymore unless it's the small minority and I always say this about when people ask me about how to do with anxiety and stuff like that and how they first got off the ground I always explain to them that the experiences you had as a kid are never going to be the same as now if you ever want to open up to anyone or do whatever everyone's now grown up and got to a point of where they're actually happy to help people and anyone everyone understands the situation as an adult and i think as a kid people don't have that understanding or that learning of what's right what's wrong and i think it's quite a discovery period some people are bad like there's no question about that but a lot of people they may have been bad or said bad things back in the day but now they've grown up they've learned and understood what is important and how all these people go through these issues and probably experienced issues themselves so especially when you when I got to uni and adulthood I knew that that was never going to be a problem I still had like weird experiences like I had a guy in Birmingham there's two guys on motorbikes and he just drove up to me in the middle of a busy road and just stopped and just went like, you're an effing ginger cunt, aren't you? And I looked at him and I was like, what do you mean? Like, where's that come from? So I kicked his bike and yeah, like long story short, I had two people running after me because I kicked down his bike. But it, it was just like, I always get these weird experiences. So like there's the old people that don't grow up and just mad shit like that happens. And like, it doesn't bother me because I've always been that comfort. I don't really care. Um, it's just part of me. But I think it's whether those experiences are always lessen as you grow up because everyone everyone does grow up with time. And when I think if you ever went back to Scotland and things like that now as an adult, you may still experience that one or two things like I've done in that instance. But the consistency and stuff like that of all that type of mentality, it's all gone now we're adults. And yeah that that's the thing what i'd like to say about that but and in terms of like integrating myself i think i've always been a very adaptable person like there's not many people that 
you'll ever see me not get on with. Um, and I think it's just due to my open nature and I'm always kind of understanding. I, I'm a type of person that you've probably seen it when you met me is that I'm quite introverted until I get to know people and people often presume it for me being shy, whereas I'm complete opposite of shy. I'm very, I'm very like strong opinionated and people will only know that when they get to know me. Yeah. The reason I'm shy is because a lot of the time, especially in new social situations, I take a step back and analyze people. And Mm. it's the way I've always worked because I'm very, not clever, but I'm very, I'm very, I guess I'd say why in picking and choosing the people I want to associate with and understanding the room or understanding dynamics of people. So I know how to best get on with everybody. And it's not a sense of not being me being true to myself, but it's a point where like, I want to learn in the room who I'd probably get on with, who's in what way, who would I like, who would I don't like. And I stand back and analyze a lot of things when I'm quite, laid back and stuff so I never found change to people that tough in terms of getting on with people um but a really bad characteristic of me is I'm very judgmental so when I take a step back and analyze people if I don't like what I see if I don't like a way someone's acting or something like that I'll instantly be like yeah I'm not associating with him I'm not doing this and I suppose that's an easy method of me to pick the right people for me. Yeah. And sometimes that can always be a bad thing because I could miss an opportunity with someone who's maybe just been a bit silly at the time, but could be turned out to be an amazing person. But if I step back in our lives and like, do I really like you? What's he doing to make me like and stuff? So I never found that transition a struggle, but I did find adapting to sovereign people different because there are still cultural differences there. So mm-hmm. Especially like, I think what you were describing before, though, is like when you were saying, oh, I'm, it's not that I'm clever, but I think what that is, is emotional intelligence, like being able to like read people and things. And that is a very important skill to have. Yeah, because I think I've always been like, I've always been able to read people really well and kind of understand people's motives. And sometimes when things come personal and it clouds your judgment, and I say that to everyone, when it's a real personal issue, you're never going to be able to be emotionally intelligent because your judgment's always clouded. But Mm. um, when I step back and analyse a lot of things, especially for a lot of other people, I can see dynamics and relationships and things really quickly and understand what's working, what's not. And, yeah, I think it's always been an easy thing for me um, to kind of integrate with people but I think it's easy for me to integrate with someone, but I think because I'm quite quiet and laid back, people kind of take it for like a mysteriousness or a shyness and are less likely to come up to me and approach me. So mm. a lot of the time I'm kind of the one always forcing the original conversation to become a friend or something like that, but people understand it after a while. But um, I think that's interesting though, because that what that's making me think of is like coming back to these labels again, where this world isn't black and white, you know, when we talk about an introverts and extroverts, people don't consider the fact that you also get extroverted introverts and introverted extroverts. And I, I definitely think I've become, cause I'm, I'm an extrovert, but I feel like I've definitely become a lot more in touch with my introverted side um, in the last couple of years. And I think what you're describing, how you are as well, I think that you are an extroverted introvert. Like once you get to know people, then it's like, come out your shell. 
yeah. and that's fine there's people just don't always think about the gray area in things yeah. And I think that's another term that people need to kind of get justified about is like coming out of your shell doesn't necessarily mean the shell is a bad thing. Mm. Like, and it's not a protective overhaul. It's just, it's you being smart about the decisions you make. And yeah. I've always been kind of a person like, uh, one quote I always hate is like, well, not a hate, I like, because I always say like quietness or quietness doesn't mean shyness because you can be the quietest person in the world like I am sometimes but have the biggest ego and have the most confidence in pursuing whatever you want to do and being confident about everything and that's kind of who I am in a nutshell is I'm very quiet um on the surface but everyone that gets to know me knows I'm strong opinionated um confident but I always have like things in my head of like if it's not worth saying don't say it so a lot of the time especially to people don't chat a load of shite because yeah um, I always just kind of say important things or what's real and always give a very emotionless honest opinion about a lot of things so but I think that's where I also struggled with southerners is that there's a quite a cultural difference between north and south in a sense that even if I'd analyze people in a room and go and speak to someone northern people are always very friendly and outgoing and up and mm-hmm. up, up in your face and always easy to chat to so the first few friends I made at uni were actually northerners just because of that initial sign of willingness to speak to new people and yeah. friendliness and I think I talked to a lot of my southern friends about it because culturally I'm much more in tune with London and Bristol and Birmingham like up here culturally in terms of music um, what I want to do in my life and creative opportunities and stuff nothing up here suits my personality and that's all down south but the people yeah. down south it's a very different environment i was talking about my friend on the train like if you're in the north and you're on a train someone can be on the opposite year and you can have actually a really nice conversation with them um, about anything and there's a real openness and willingness to talk about stuff but if you're on a train in the south and you say hello to someone no one will ever say hello back and have a deep conversation with you back because yeah they're always very enclosed people and i think that um it's not to like i've not in a way slagging off any of my friends because all my friends have, that i made at university were some of the best mates i've ever made in my life but i think there is always those cultural differences that mm-hmm. i think you've just got to learn and understand about and once you actually understand why those people are like that then it becomes easier to understand and easier to integrate and make friends and stuff like that. So, and also, and also not blame people either or not, you know, have as much prejudice towards people because a lot of the times they might not even realize that they're actually behaving that way, but it's just what they know because their parents might act like that or the schools that they've been in. And this is the thing, like this is, this is what culture is all about. This is how, why we are who, who we are because of what we're exposed to in our environments. So yeah. I think when you can sort of come at it from that standpoint, it makes it, it makes you be able to, you know, be less vengeful or whatever towards people because you're just like, okay, everything that's happening, like this isn't actually anyone's fault really as such, but it takes certain people to, be able to have that open-mindedness where they can like rise above that, become aware of that, or it's just in their personality that they're like, okay, well, I don't want to be like these other people. Like I feel this way. Yeah. I think that is very cultural because like another thing I'd always say, the difference between Northern and South Southerners is, is there's quite a bit of an honesty, a straight 
point blank honesty difference. And what I say about mean by that is like if a northerner has a problem with someone face to face or if there's an issue, the majority of the time a northerner will kind of tell you to the face or like they won't kind of avoid the issue. Or if I don't like someone, I'd either tell them or I just wouldn't associate with them, even if I was in the same social circle with them. I have a very easy ability to cut off people like that if I don't like them and it doesn't affect me emotionally. Um, but like one person explained to me really like a southerner can be your best friend, but also hate you at the same time. And mm. I'm not generalizing that to every southerner, but I've especially mm. noticed that in myself that there's quite an avoidance of honesty and confrontation mm. um, from all my kind of southern mates, a lot of my southern mates. Um, but I, again, that comes into culture as well, because I guess a lot of my black southern mates, because I have quite a few people down south um, who I'm really kind of connected with in kind of black communities and black culture, they've always taught me about kind of their honesty is what they pride themselves off. So it's all, yeah. they, they'll always tell you straight up if there's an issue, get it face to face, get it dealt with. And that's what I've always respected in that culture and that community and why I've probably got on with those people even better yeah. than some other people because I like that kind of approach to it. Um, so I'd either just not talk to people or block people off. And I think there's always that. There's always loads of differences culturally. It's not necessarily means that all white people are like that. There's loads of differences. But I think it's kind of when you're integrating into new environments, it's just, like I say, take a step back, discovery, learning, and kind of, adapting i've always been adaptable so just adapting yourself to kind of look assessing situations looking who's going to be right who's going to be wrong for you because a lot of people integrate with wrong social circles and stuff like that and yeah just that kind of thing really it's it's all about being adaptable and just kind of being emotionally intelligent as you say to kind of learn learn as much as you can about different people and yeah just being comfortable with diversity absolutely it's interesting as well like even even when you go to like mainland europe because i think that's why you know people from america or literally any other continent in the world really have this kind of like what's the word fascination by europe because like you drive an hour and a half two hours and you're in a completely different country and the cultures are just completely different which is mm. an amazing thing you know there's so much culture and, and different traditions to just soak up. But I think it's interesting when you, you know, what you're saying about really appreciating the honesty in the, in the black community and how you could like really resonate with that as to how you are in a lot of European countries when, you know, when you go to them, you kind of sort of understand what the character norms are in a lot of their countries as well. And I think it's been quite interesting for me to get on well with certain types of people that maybe I wouldn't have expected because there's certain traits of my personality that, that I relate to quite a lot with them as well. So it's, I think it's interesting how if, if you are as a person ultimately open-minded, um, I think you, there are several countries in the world that you could go to where you would get on more than you would expect yeah. with the average person. So yeah. it's just having the interest as well to do it, but it's pretty cool. Yeah, I think honesty is just the best way. Like, I, I've always been an honest person. I always promote honesty in the best mm. way I can. Sometimes honesty might not be the best policy because it disrupts group dynamics. And sometimes I may have avoided saying certain things because I don't want to upset someone, even though 
I still feel strongly about a situation that might be right or might be wrong or I don't want to upset a dynamic of a group by being honest but mm. if I'm honest about a person in my own head and I decide to cut them off or whatever I think it's always a always a very strong point to be and I think like when you especially go into new cultures and meeting new people from all over the world like traveling and stuff like that if you can be open and honest with people people respect it more than anything I know what's what absolutely what I find in a lot of countries the UK is a bit kind of restricted in terms of people's attitudes and stuff like that um I think people are quite closed off in the UK compared to like a few places in Europe and stuff I think there's a lot yeah. more friendliness in those countries so yeah I think honesty is a very kind of big thing with myself and I just like people who are honest and dishonesty is something that I really don't respect at all like it's one thing that I'm just like if people are dishonest to me or disloyal and I don't know about it or don't find out about it or people aren't front, up front about it with me that's when it comes easy for me to like cut people off straight away and be like yeah I, I, de I, I demand a certain kind of respect in friendships and not like authoritarian style but I think there's just certain precedents that I always like to have in friendships and if people are disloyal or dishonest that's when it becomes an issue for me and I think like a lot of people in the UK sometimes are accepting of that which is mm -hmm. a bit a bit weird to me like when your mates are having the banter and stuff it's all good having the banter but if they're doing things behind your back and you're kind of letting it go because like, oh he's my mate like that's something I found I find really strange and I don't know I think there's a lot of crazy dynamics to social circles that I could go on about for ages really um but yeah yeah I love it great um so anyway kind of getting back on to kind of the health and spirituality stuff kind of wanted to just touch on um, now we've kind of gone through upbringing and stuff and kind of feeling in place and things like that what were kind of your first experiences into that journey that you started um in terms of like the first time you tried a certain thing and how did it feel or the first time you read um like a really insightful book and how that changed your perspectives on like different things in terms of health and spirituality mm -hmm. yeah well i think like first of all um the best way to kind of get into this is if we if we could just take a minute to just do a little breathing exercise yeah i'll do that so i just want you to close your eyes okay and take a deep breath in and really just focus on your breath trying to like focus purely on that all your attention on that and just letting your mind rest and not go crazy in thinking for just one moment breathe in for four hold it for four and then release for six and then one more time Breathe in for four, hold for four, and release for four. I think that, you know, just the, the simple experience of, of noticing the breath is the most powerful thing that I've experienced in this in this whole journey and I think it's what is so incredible about it is that it is the most basic but yet most essential part of 
a part of life. Mm. Um, and the, the beauty in that and focusing on that helps you connect to and discover that there is a, another mind within us that is not in our head or mm. as what we think to be in our head, but the mind of the heart. And through connecting to that, by focusing your attention on your heart, when you're breathing, um, and you know, it's something that you can actually transfer to, to your everyday. Um, it helps you make decisions, um, suggestions, just actions in life from a place of compassion um, and a place, a place of positivity rather than getting caught up by the voice in your head, which is 95% of the time probably acting out of fear, out of jealousy, out of anxiety, all of these things. And I think that becoming aware of this was really what kick-started this interest and also just the opening of my mind and my being to another way of living that so many people are not even aware of yet it's right under their noses. And I think realizing that for me was what just began to fuel my fire and my passion for, for spirituality and, and being a messenger of that. So how it started for me was, Actually, when I was living in Edinburgh and I was having a really bad time there, I heard of a book called The Secret, which is also a film and I know is quite well known. Um, And basically he became aware of the law of attraction, which in a nutshell is all about using the power of your mind to create the circumstances that you want in life. And after that, I then did some crazy things, managed to basically transform my whole life, which I believe I did by myself, by moving back to Belgium, um, really just wishing and praying for that. Mm. And then and then I forgot about it for a while, strangely enough. And then maybe a couple of years later, I read, which I call my spiritual Bible, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, who's one of the most renowned spiritual, modern spiritual teachers which was through reading that book. And I can still remember the first time that I became aware of my mind as actually a separate entity to who I really am. Becoming aware of my thoughts, but not being engulfed by them, but actually taking a step back from them and just observing them as almost like tangible, tangible bursts of energy, which after a couple of minutes would just fade away and then something new would come in. And that was really powerful in what I talked about before, really realizing that there is actually more to us than what we think. And I feel like it's really, as I've evolved along this, along this spiritual path and and read much more and done a lot of research and just had my own real life experiences. I feel like when a lot of the time when I am, when I'm living and I'm just perceiving the world through my eyes, I am perceiving it more as a witness, more as an observer of, of, of the world around for simply what it is without placing too much meaning or labels, you know, coming back to labels, everything is essentially a label. Um, but actually just appreciating and observing the beauty of everything around you. And through that, learning to rather than react to situations act to situations 
you know, just respond rather than have to apply so much judgment or whatever, but just being more accepting and just understanding that there is more to this life than we think and that everything that happens to us in life isn't because we've deserved this or, you know, kind of getting out of that victim mentality of like, rather than everything happening to me, everything is happening for me. Mm. And depending how I respond to these situations creates more of what I don't want or more of what I do want. And it's really realizing that we are so much more powerful than we realize. Yeah. Yeah. I completely get that. I think like, I kind of, especially when he said about observing the world, that's something I can relate to and having like a different feeling of what is in my head through like things I've done in the past and through especially like anxiety and stuff like that. I do get a feeling of like disassociation from mind and body. Um, and I kind of, when I'm in a state like this, where I'm not anxious or I'm not doing certain things or whatever, um, I always feel like I'm combined as one. But when I have these certain experiences, there is a difference there um, between sort of mind and body and having out of body experiences, especially like anxiety is something that, because I've gone through it medically diagnosed and stuff, when I'm in that anxious state in the worst possible places, my mind disassociates from my body. And it's kind of similar to what you say, but in a negative way. And mm. I suppose like I can understand that um, from someone who hasn't obviously adventured into kind of that thing. And I've had a lot of people recommend me that Eckhart Tolle book, um, especially yourself, I had my friend Joshua recommend it, um, another person recommend it. And it's something that I do need to read. And I don't know whether I'm, I don't know whether I've been sort of fully wanting to go there or it's something that I've just, because I've conquered my anxiety, something that I've not particularly wanted to go and do, but I think it's something that after hearing things like that, I do probably need to go and have a look into it and properly read it. And something I just don't really read much as well. And that's something that I want to start doing. But yeah, like I kind of understand those things from my perspective. But in terms of like people who maybe aren't like me, who can't understand that those things might be physically possible or maybe people who think like she's talking in a way that I can't relate to or can't understand or maybe I just think that's 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 not true and all that do you think it takes like a certain type of person to get into health and spirituality or do you think that there has to be like a level of acceptance to say that um things or is it something that just everybody can read a book and get into if that kind of makes any sense yeah no totally I get what you're saying um yeah this is this is a difficult one or an interesting one which I have thought about much myself I think fundamentally you know I really believe that we are all spiritual beings you know the experiences that I've had could happen to everyone, but it's not necessarily going to happen to everyone. And I think like one of the biggest challenges that I've faced going through this is remembering not to force what I've learned on other people, because just because if I've had this really great experience, doesn't mean if I'm going to tell someone about it, they're going to immediately understand it. You know, it all has to be about the circumstances in your life. I think it really is. It's just naturally you're, you're either, 
you're either just, I think you either led to this, your, your life naturally evolves or unfolds in, in a direction which leads you to this, or you kind of get a freak, like sudden spiritual awakening or spiritual interest where it could like, it can literally just fall out of the sky for some people and all of a sudden they experience something which, yeah, makes them aware or wonder if there is something more more than we see before us or more than this to this life beyond and i think to to an extent i think people have i think everyone has glimpses of spiritual experience or spiritual realizations without actually realizing it you know if you think about things like when people don't know what to do in a situation and someone will say what does your gut feeling tell you you know that right there is literally like a spiritual kind of implication or kind of consideration because that's all talking about your intuition and your intuition is is the is another like voice that is inside you which is very quiet but knows all the answers and i really believe that when you work on developing your intuition or paying more attention to that voice within that all the answers that you will ever need in life are available to you through that so i think people do have glimpses of that or for example going out in nature you know nature is so therapeutic and most people can agree that when they go out for a walk if they're feeling stressed about something it makes them feel better but a lot of people don't you know most of us don't think into why that might actually be um and i think there is there is a spiritual connection that you experience when you're out in nature when you're connecting with the earth that makes you kind of return home to your true self the real you that is buried under the layers of cultural conditioning and your experiences um it's like a gateway to that kind of infinite infinite peace um an infinite joy and simplicity which is always there but a lot of people just aren't tapped into um so i think like if you make and this is what I'm trying to do, you know, I'm making people aware of this. And I think even just making people aware of spirituality and mindfulness and things like that might make them subconsciously um, experience things or lead them to things, situations that, that might in, inhibit like a, a development, a development for that. But I think ultimately, no, like, I don't think everyone is meant to be super duper spiritual, like, you know meditating for 10 hours a day anything like that but i think that everyone has the potential to be do you think we're kind of going a bit off topic but something i've kind of just had a little thought about like i'm presuming are you religious at all or not religious yeah interesting question um i'm not and this is this is actually something that i learned about in eckhart tolle's book is a lot of people get spirituality and religion confused and essentially when you actually look at how man has evolved and like the history of beliefs and things like that spirituality is actually the foundation of religion so the way that our society has evolved was we were essentially made to all be beings that are loving and kind and compassionate to each other and acceptance accepting of our differences but still equal but the way that man has, has has evolved the way the mind has evolved 
people living in different places and not being in touch with each other, they, you know, they began to create gods and their gods were all different and their God became better than the next person's God and whatever they believed to be true was the only truth. Because if you look at Christianity, you look at Islamism, um, you know, like, uh, like Jews as well, the foundation core principles in, in their, you know, in their texts, their religious texts are, are basically the same. But, but what is what is different is the way that they have evolved and um, yeah the differences that have come from their culture you know again it all comes down to culture so no I am not religious um, I am spiritual that is that is how I uh, classify myself yeah so like moving from that in terms of I'm something I'm kind of like a lot of my anxiety is based on I have a fear of infinite time. Um, it's a lot deeper and I can go into it in, I'm going to go into it in like another podcast and stuff. But I think a lot of my fear and a lot of people's fear is obviously death and the time after death and things like that. And I think a lot of coping mechanisms who people who, not coping mechanism, but people who don't fear that are the people I've come across who don't fear things like that are three types of people really naivety um, or people that are just like yeah fuck it whatever religious people and people that are spiritual and i kind of want to see if i think those may be the reason not i wouldn't say that but i'd say can they tie in with each other spirituality and religion because i feel like can religious people there be open to the cause of being spiritual and doing things like meditations which might be outside the context of what they abide by in their religions like i've had people who like my friend who i worked with for ages mo i became very aware of islam when i worked um, in my old job um, through a lot of what mo used to tell me he's a really really good friend of mine friend for life uh, but he's a muslim and he always kind of went through all the stuff with me about his religion and i really began to understand the core principles of islam and how i could relate it to aspects of christianity that i had grown up with and these core principles um but then he went through periods of things like anxiety and um a bit of unsureness and i kind of always referred him to do things like meditation or use apps like headspace which is as you say before breathing it's powerful but he always said to me that he didn't need those things because he always had god and things like that and i think maybe one of the reasons why health and spirituality may not be as big is because spirit religion is so big in the context of the world and how many people are religious and believe in gods and god and things like this is that is it possible to tie the two together and celebrate both or is it that religious people won't understand spirituality because they already have those pieces of reference material or is it something you could advise people who are religious to still experiment within that kind of core principles of spirituality and things like that but what what do you kind of think on that like i know that might be a bit of a complex thing to think about but 
maybe that's something why it may not be as big because maybe people can people be religious and spiritual in the same aspect yeah well yeah it's, a, it's an interesting one i think um you know what i was saying before about spirituality being the essence of all religion what makes spirituality different or what makes let's say i don't know religion different is in religions when i talked about you know they all have different gods right there is a figure above that each religion has is faithful towards and is dependent on and really you know reliant on to keep them sane keep them keep them you know keep the good things happening to them repenting their sins and all, and all that kind of stuff but what spirituality um kind of describes or what's the word it's just kind of about is that um there is no god as such that is a higher power than yourself but god is actually within and in fact god is not one individual figure whether that be a man or a woman or but god is actually just you and it, it all boils down to being infinitely powerful as i talked about before and realizing that a lot of the times in life we try to search search for the answers to our problems outside but what people fail to realize is actually all the answers are available on the inside. If you believe in that and you tap into that and you work on that relationship with yourself, everything that you will ever need to know um, is actually within you. And where this is where man has got lost over time is because we've lost touch of that connection to our intuition, to the heart, mind, you know, to that, just to that, power which is which is within us which is in within our souls and so through trying to seek answers on the outside that's where god's developed mm. so you know without trying to come across it in a way that kind of sounds like i am gonna go and like preach to a religious person to stop being religious and be spiritual because this is what you need to do i think it just it's definitely something to consider you know what if mm. you know you are actually powerful as well but i think what joins the two together is faith you know faith and trust that everything is going to be okay and that there is there is something because yeah okay i say that yeah god is within but i do believe that there you know the universe is is a kind of higher power but it's not it, it's not like the figure of god but it's just like a higher power that is out there which helps make things happen in our everyday life, but it's not to say that it's better than us, you know? It's just that I believe in spirituality, believes that there is a power out there which is determining what happens on an everyday basis, but it starts with us. And then that power is kind of like the messenger which kind of transforms the energy of, 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 of what we are putting out to then creating in our physical reality. But without trying trying to go too off tangent in another direction i think you know because I, I don't i wouldn't want to force anyone to to do anything different from what they believe in if, if you believe in god if you believe in allah you know that's fine like you you do you and if that feels right for you then that's what's important but i think it's it's just really coming to a place where we can just respect what we all believe in and ultimately join and connect with each other over that faith and that trust that that life 
that everything is going to work out fine if we believe it to be and that life isn't out there to get us but it's actually out there to work for us and it's just believing that because what it all boils down to me for me is like I think people just don't think enough about how incredible it is to be alive you know how unlikely it is that earth is even doing its thing in our solar system it's the only planet that has that has active life that has this incredible ecosystem that functions day after day season after season and it just works like that and people just take that for granted but like every day i'm just like this is fucking amazing like you know how is that just a coincidence like i think just for me it's like what is coincidence and for me it's like i don't believe there is coincidence i think all of this is happening for a divine reason and i think we need to believe that there is more to this existence than that and that that is where that faith is just so important um to live a happy life and just to be fulfilled and all of that so because i think that's something i've, I've been struggling with for a long while because I remember about told a lot of things about um, about someone who I used to be with who was very naive and skeptical about religion when I used to be a, a skeptical Christian anyway but people always I got told a few things and statements that really upset my mind um, and it made me a bit unstable and I guess that over time that's probably where a lot of my anxieties developed as well as being just unsure about a lot of things. So, but I'd never dismiss religion because especially for my mum, it's helped her so much through her life um, being a Christian and my dad. And I think there's a lot of positives to do with religion. And I think it's hard for people who believe in religion to also break it down after it's helped them through a lot of times. But for me, because I've had it broken down already at times, I'm always very still skeptical in my head. So I guess it's discovery at the moment and trying a lot of different things, trying to either reconnect with religion or going through into spirituality or maybe becoming an atheist. I'm unsure. I think at the moment I'd describe myself as a skeptical Christian, um, but I'm still very unsure within my own mind. And I guess quite a few people would be in that position, but I think that's where probably people would struggle is that with kind of what you touched on is that, how religion it does help people with what they believe in uh, and those external things and everything happens for a reason that's what i kind of learned about the muslim religion is that in the muslim religion allah has planned um allah has planned everyone's life on everyone's path already so it's quite easy to accept that whatever happens happens because your life is already planned out for you and i suppose that's quite a cathartic feeling where you don't actually have to worry because there's not a decision that you make that may affect anything. I think a lot of different patterns and religion kind of things of religion help a lot of people. So I'd never dismiss the core principles of it all. Like you said, it all boils down to faith and yeah, it's just quite, a, I think it's quite, especially growing up for a lot of people, like after you've hit that childhood and you actually start to think about these things um, because you hit the real world. Um, I think this is where it becomes a tough time for a lot of people and a time of discovery. And I guess that if people can fall into a category of spirituality where that's the best method for them to cope with those certain aspects or that's what they'd like to discover and they touch with, that's the best thing. And I think it's just about opening more people to the idea of spirituality um, because I guess 
in the long line of things that people believe in um religion because of its core roots probably always going to come first for a lot of people um, but if you if you have the ability to think about spirituality and interlink the two or do things like that it could probably be beneficial to a lot of people so yeah like i guess that's kind of what i've took from all that and i think it's something that i'd like to potentially look at myself or maybe look at combining the two because i'd never want to dismiss religion because as i say it's helped my mum and stuff like that loads and especially probably helped me as a kid as well i guess um but i think it's just a discovery period for a lot of people in life so hopefully stuff like this will give people an insight into kind of those things about spirituality and make it make people understand that those core principles are still similar in terms of faith definitely i think there is ultimately an interconnection between everything so that's why i think it's important to just be be open to every perspective because there are there are links links in it all at the end of the day um you know things that i've learned about like christianity for example like i definitely believe that jesus was real and i think that his motives from what i've learned um was to actually create a spiritual enlightenment on earth and to lead man in the direction of love you know to lead man towards living from love rather than from fear like he was a spiritual figure and and, and that was the aim of, of to kind of enlighten the world um on that spiritual level but after what happened to him and then the way that culture evolved after that things evolved to put him up on a pedestal as this kind of figure son of god and then he became that like godlike figure which i mean yeah this is where it could maybe become a little bit um controversial or you know where uh, religious people maybe might disagree with this but you know from from what i've learned from this spiritual perspective is that was his aim but the way the world evolved was it created a religion out of it if you, created, if you understand um, what I'm saying, like yeah, like created sort of stories that factually we can't comprehend and understand because of developments in science and things like that. And mm-hmm. I suppose that I what I watch a lot of things from a lot of people's perspectives. So I watch people from atheist perspectives, universal perspective, religious perspectives, and I'm always intaking of everything like that. And I've always watched people like. Uh, like the biggest example people will know probably Joe Rogan who's got one of the most successful podcasts he doesn't believe in the religion because fundamentally the stories that the bible and things like that tell scientifically um, because I'm a man I love I like science and I like facts factually Jesus doing these certain stories or tales we it's not physically possible um in the science terms for us but i guess that when you were saying about external things if a man was able to do that it connects people with god because it shows that someone was there to be able to make those things possible and there is a greater entity and stuff like that and i think that's where all the controversy and debate of it all comes along so it's all kind of it's 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 a hard subject to touch on without being disrespectful and ups, uh, or just upsetting people, you know, yeah, someone's yeah. always going to get upset, you know. Yeah. It's... And that's not, our, there's no intention behind that and dismissing things, but I, I always like to look at things from all perspectives, and that's what I mean by, um, I'm a sceptical Christian in a sense that those aspects of Christianity where scientifically things aren't possible, it, it's something that doesn't sit well with me, but at the same time, 
what the morals and values and everything it brings on and how it's helped people it's something i'll never dismiss in my life and that's why i probably wear this a lot um i wear a cross quite a lot and it's just it's not to do with the religion itself but it's the values and stuff it brings and it's yeah. to do with um especially i look at my mum and my dad who have used this a lot of the time to kind of get through tough times in life and I always consider, especially with my sister, um, because of her severe autism, um, people have probably heard it down the mic, her screaming a little bit, but I believe that people that kind of follow a, a, a correct path like this are probably chosen or the universe has put some sort of responsibility on them to care for people like my sister. So I guess this is where my mind is always like always spinning circles of all this stuff is because that that's what kind of I believe in the positive elements and stuff of it all so yeah it's kind of a a complex a complex world but I guess hopefully people have had a little insight there into a few aspects of how it all connects with spirituality but I kind of want to move on to a topic of kind of the holistic health as well um, mm. and kind of how that's all tied in with spirituality and how you've benefited off that and um, like I've looked at a few things and I've just tried to kind of endeavor into it slowly um with holistic health and just if you want to kind of take a minute to kind of explain what holistic health is and to people who don't know and how it ties in with your spirituality embodiment and things like that yeah well um holistic health is ultimately treating treating the body as a whole when you are uh and seeing how how the mind comes into that as well when you are ill with something rather than treating symptoms treat looking for the root cause that is the fundamental core of what it's about and considering yeah the other factors that might be contributing to why there's something wrong um other aspects of your body and this is you know for me where the mind comes into it as well and I think like realizing that again, we are very powerful and the thoughts that we have are so much more powerful than, than we realize and, and they ultimately dictate everything that happens because the mind and body are connected, you know, um, what I, you know, I believe this and I've had experiences that, that prove this to me that when you have, toxic thoughts about yourself or about something in your life that you don't release or let go of, it gets stored up as emotional energy. And this actually has an effect on our physical body. And that toxicity manifests as an ailment in our physical body. So quite often, if you look into, say for example, you have broken your ankle, or there's something wrong with your foot, maybe you have athlete's foot or something like that. The kind of holistic or also kind of spiritual meaning into looking to, into that is that the feet represent where you're going in life. So if you have something wrong with your feet, you have to look into, am I afraid of the future? Am I afraid of the direction that I'm going in or not knowing where I'm gonna be going in? And um, I've had like issues like in to do with my feet before and I could definitely 
relate to having anxieties about the future around those times and you know about where I was going and things like that and and other issues that I've had with my body as well I can definitely relate to the kind of mental mental symptoms or causes causes of that so there's that and then there's and there's also just kind of appreciating that our our bodies are extremely intelligent and um you know as we know if we break an arm or we break our elbow or something the body naturally heals you know it heals itself and it just shows how miraculous that is so holistic health just kind of looks at what are the natural ways that we can actually treat ourselves because the earth provides us with everything that we need you know um and so holistic medicine really looks into kind of things like herbal remedies um diet as well and just putting good things into your body and when you're supplying your body with with nutrition clean whole food nutrition and um and other just goodness that it will it will repair itself according to that and it's just kind of questioning because i i don't want to slate conventional medicine at all by saying this because i think that it is very beneficial but i think that it is just overused in our society and if you actually think a lot of the time if you go to you know you get some people that go to the doctor about just like a common cold or like just things that it's like you don't need to go that and they just get prescribed like tablets or some chemicals and when you actually think about that putting chemicals like that in your body on a regular basis is that really going to be doing you any good like chemical you know like alcohol is a chemical you know they tell us not to drink too much or you look at like Classy drugs like recreational drugs are all chemicals. We would never think to take those, but you know, what about abusing so-called good drugs? Like they're still chemicals and they're also half the time just treating your symptoms and actually getting to the root cause. Um, this is something that I made a video actually about this on YouTube, a vlog I made last year, which I think generated a bit of controversy, kind of indirect. Um, but it got a lot of dislikes, the video, so definitely struck a few nerves with people. But holistic health, again, is just kind of about, you know, gotta be careful how you choose your words here, but it's just about opening, opening your mind and opening your life perspective to the possibility that there are other ways of healing yourself that are more natural, that are more gentle, but are just as powerful and maybe even sometimes more powerful than what your doctor is prescribing you. Like. I'll tell you where that all comes from because it's just naivety and scepticism. And as like I said, when people haven't grown up, especially in terms of these alternative possibilities where don't get me wrong, things like the NHS are wonderful. Um, it's mm. brilliant that we have free healthcare. Um, well, we pay taxes for it, but you kind of, it's a free service that we can just access like that. And I think the reason people are probably skeptical of something like this is because we have access to those things where, scientifically it's proven that they work but i've always been someone who not necessarily endowed into holistic health but i've never really used the nhs um because if i've ever got an issue i just deal with it and it's not it's just the mentality i always have i always push through every injury or everything that i've ever dealt with i always push through it myself and i've never really gone to get healed or there's only one or two times where i've physically had to use the nhs um, for certain reasons but a lot of the time 
and I know I'll probably have to use them properly one time in my life um, for a severe, severe reason, but I do need medical help, but especially a lot of minor things, I always get them dealt with myself, so it's possible, I understand that it's possible for the body to heal and recover in so many ways. I know I've broken fingers and stuff and never even bothered to go um, through playing sport and things like that, or I've done certain things to my body, um, and I know it's I've always been able to recover myself just through mental being and power and not letting things bother me. So I think there's a lot of people that will listen to stuff with like herbal medicine and just go, Oh, that's a load of bollocks because scientists say that we have, we we've got medication that does it. It's just a herb. What's it going to do? But I think it's the openness and willingness of people to sit down and try it. And I think that a lot of people, like like you said before, especially with emotional intelligence, a lot of people will just think it's a load of nothing and not believe it. But I think anyone who's listening to this will just need to, I think it would be the same advice you probably give them is go and try it as simple mm-hmm. as it is. Is like until you try it, you know, like you, you, you can't dismiss anything in life until you try it because mm-hmm. your opinion isn't valid until you've actually experienced it. You can't say that that's crap, that doesn't work without understanding that it doesn't work for you if you've actually tried it. Like I think mm-hmm. too many people in society who are too dismissive over different things and they're dismissive without trying it. And I think that's an opinion that if you're getting dislikes on these videos, you can't take that seriously not that it would have affected you as such anyway but when you're getting all this negative approach to something how many people have actually tried it i bet none of them and i think that's how would you how would you convince people to kind of give it a go what would what would be the things people kind of need to open up about or maybe what what first type of remedy would you kind of suggest to someone um or would it be something as simple as changing a diet because i know that i've recently had a reinvention of my diet recently and i wouldn't say that it's made me more positive but i'd say it's energy wise and um not not feeling down um and not feeling sluggish it's completely uplifted me and now i'm always at a minimum of a neutral rather Mm. than not all because i'd never say that changing your diet would always make you extremely positive running about Mm. because everyone has bad days but there's so much less of the sluggishness and the the feeling crap after bad food so what would kind of be your first approaches to go to someone yeah like if you try this then maybe that's something that you could kind of work on and say if that works for you then move on to this and this will kind of be your first sort of advice to people to just have dip their toes into like holistic health yeah well I think I think as you say I think diet I think it's it's really starting in a way that's going to be easy for someone that's not requiring them to do something too different from their normal life so eating is something we all have to do you know so rather than being like start drinking this um, this tea, which is made from like redwood and I don't know, Japanese slim, slippery elm or some herb like that. 
or they're going to be like what but yeah i think starting with having a, having a cleaner diet and i think particularly people that we're seeing more and more these days people you know that have gluten intolerances dairy intolerances looking at obesity rates are obviously awful and you just have to look at what has changed and it's just the diet it's the food industry it's the things that we're being encouraged to eat or the things that yeah are being advertised and and i mean yeah like things like gluten and dairy we are not actually biologically supposed to consume that you know dairy comes from cows it's made for calves you know like this is a big thing that vegans will always say in the vegan movement but it's there these are very f inflammatory ingredients which are a lot harder for our bodies to process and that's why you know a lot of people that have like eczema for example like yeah skin issues digestive issues it's like cut these things out and already people quite often will, will kind of experience miraculous differences so i think things like that and just trying to just trying to eat foods that are more natural that don't have a list of like 40 ingredients on the packets um again just opening your mind and not always buying into what the adverts are telling you to do or being sucked into the two for one offers on chocolate like you know it's all a money-making scheme at the end of the day that's why we're being encouraged to eat sugar because it's addictive and people go back and buy that and that's why obesity is so bad because of because of sugar because of fast food and things like that but as you say from your own experience i can 100 percent vouch you know this is why i'm like an advocate for this eating a cleaner diet just makes you feel so much better not just in your body but in your mind you know in your spirit just like the full alignment um, of your being i think it's it just helps you with you know with your energy with your motivation um and you know a big thing as well that people don't actually realize is is our mind is is in our gut as well 90 percent of our serotonin is produced in our gut so literally if you feed yourself shit you will feel like shit you know it's quite literally as simple as that so I think like, yeah, just starting off with that, trying to just substitute slowly, step by step, a couple of meals a week to something healthier, see how that makes you feel. And then, you know, I think slowly, it's hard obviously in the beginning because people are very accustomed to eat their eating habits and it's very hard to want to eat healthily. But for me, from what I've found, like after eating healthily for many for many years but I, I think it can take even less than that for me it's easy to choose the healthy option because i just know if i eat this i'm going to feel good and if i eat this i'm going to feel good for 10 minutes and then i'm going to feel awful afterwards mm. and it just gets to the point where i'm like why would i want to choose the bad option you know yeah i think like something that i tell people that are listening from my experiences like like you said like it's internally so important and one thing that got said to me was why do we spend so much on external products like clothes makeup like all these things that make us look and feel better externally why aren't we treating the insides of our body the same and that's something that kind of resonated with me as to what's the point in all these external assets that make us feel good when we're internal as well um mm. and 
especially for someone who, like for me, my speciality in sport, I love to research and do things in sport to dope in. And I always kind of related that in a sense because I always kind of have two issues of internal doping and expert external doping. So I kind of related both and thought, well, if there's internal external for bad things, there should be internal external for good things. So it kind of was like when I kind of needed to make a change to my diet. Um, and I always had a very bad diet. I was always very, very fortunate that I was a ridiculously good athlete as a kid. I had so much potential. I did sport every day that my metabolism was just so good that I'd never bothered about my diet because especially aesthetically, I didn't feel the need to change anything in my diet. Um, but as I've got older, metabolism's obviously slowed a bit and not just aesthetically, but moods and things like that, all these foods affect people. Mm-hmm. So the biggest things I've found changing my diet to try and what I'd probably do just to talk with yourself and maybe just see how you could relate to anything like this is that I probably just want to give people a um, insight as to how I've broke down my diet recently, especially over the past few years. So originally I was a guy that would drink so many cans of Coke a day and stuff like this because sugar rush, I like sugar, I was always active, burning it all off, going crazy. And I've always been accustomed to drinking loads of Coke all the time and stuff. First thing I did with my diet was take that out of my diet and just drink water. And I broke that down in a stage of I'd only have Coke when I was eating a meal. Then I'd only have Coke when I'd have one meal a week. Um, And that's how I've kind of broken it down. So I've kind of objectified drinking rather than drinking it for the taste. And I've kind of put in my mind that I drink for thirst rather than drink for satisfaction. And I think that's a really nice way of I've explained to people of how I've helped change my diet. First to do with drinking because food is food. Food is well nice. We all love good food. And I think drinking is a lot easier to change than food. So that's how I broke it down my drinking. And now I drink like two, three litres a day minimum. And that's just through keeping myself hydrated. And then I moved on to my food and I always had a very bad diet and I wanted to kind of change what I ate and I think the hardest thing for people to comprehend is healthy food tastes shit and that is an analogy that I was skeptical of myself and it's not necessarily I don't eat I still don't eat the most unbelievably cleanest diet where I just eat salads all day and stuff like this but the whole notion of healthy food tastes poor you have to kind of break it down in stages of you have to come accustomed to eat healthy food before your taste buds and your perception of taste changes. So it's all very difficult to actually switch from a high calorific sugar infused diet to things that kind of make you healthier. So when you originally try unhealthy food as opposed to unhealthy food, it might not taste nicer or it it won't taste nicer. That's the be all and end all of it because sugar, our bodies are addicted to things like sugar. Mm. And what I do is substitute maybe one day a week where you try and eat healthy, then do it two days a week or substitute your desserts into something that healthy. And once you slowly become accustomed to your days of healthiness or your meals of healthiness and how you feel after that specific meal, 
your body will start to react in a, in a better way and you'll start to understand the small benefits that you can gain. And then that's when you need to grow those certain things and then you'll take a day to have a healthy day. And I think that um, once you understand, once you start intaking more healthy food by going through this incremental process, then you start to, your taste buds will start to change and you'll start to realize what healthy food you like and how that actually tastes nicer than the sugar content in food because you've gone through this slow incremental process. So it's kind of my experience of what I've done with it all. And now I sit at a dinner table and I've got a bowl of raspberry, strawberries, blueberries or a chocolate cake in front of me. After the development I've gone through by going through these stages, I'll now probably pick the strawberries and blueberries because I actually really enjoy the taste. But that before before a while ago, it's something that I I wouldn't have been able to comprehend or my taste buds would have even understood. And I think mm. that's where like tying into changing diet and holistic health, you have to do it as a slow incremental process and your your taste and your taste of foods and things like that will change. So when you always hear vegans and vegetarians constantly going, this is amazing. This is so flavorsome. And you're looking at it from a sugar fueled diet perspective thinking, well, that looks disgusting. I don't ever want to be a vegan. You can't make that switch dramatically because you'll no. never be right to you. So yeah. if you go through all these processes and learn what tastes nice over a long period of time, you'll realize why a lot of these food is, actually tasty even though you may not have perceived it as that when you first hear about changing your diet and stuff like this so hopefully that's kind of helped anyone listening um it's an insight of how i've kind of changed my diet and i still eat i still have a cheat day a week like we've all got to have one we've all got to have a pizza at some time like we still got to enjoy those fatty foods um but i'm literally having a pizza tonight so there you go there you go it's like one day a week, like have that cheat day, eat loads of chocolate and enjoy yourself. But you'll find even after that cheat day, you'll wake up in the morning and want to be healthy. So mm. that's kind of all the incremental steps I've kind of done to change my diet. So if that's beautiful. Can... I mean, you sound like you're quite the health expert yourself there, actually. That was very, very nice. Good uh, realizations. Powerful. Yeah. I think there's something that I didn't do at university as well in sport. I've always been very dismissive of nutrition because. I always had a lot of other interests in my sports degrees and my sports loves and interests. And I hate, I hate kind of chemistry. I'm not a fan of chemistry. So I never went into the nutrition side of sport. And I guess it's because at the time I never kind of believed in nutrition because of my metabolism being so good. I just always felt like I was physically there. But once you do change your diet, you do feel these different things. So I guess Absolutely. it all, all ties on with what I like to relate to. So if anyone is kind of listening at this point and still kind of wants to change their diet, hopefully that can kind of break down what I've done to kind of change myself and it and make myself healthier, really. Um, but yeah, so after that kind of breakdown I've done, um, I kind of want to ask you um, how your holistic health has now grown into a business and when when did you kind of get a realization of spirituality and holistic health is something that I'm so passionate about that 
I now want to create things like my YouTube channel to spread the messages of it, go into industries that work with this kind of thing or go into businesses and, and create a business to try and push all these things out there. And what kind of, by doing that, do you benefit from doing that in terms of, does it make you happy that you're just following something you want to do? Is it something that you want to help change people and, have a positive effect on people or what kind of is the motivations behind uh, all that growth and how did all that kind of committed to the growth come about? Yeah, I think, I think for me, it's just all the kind of inner reflection that I've been doing and learning more about myself and just, you know, leaving school and starting to think, right, what is it I want to do with my life? And at the same time, delving a lot deeper into these topics and, and just how it just how it made me feel like it was just passion like you just know passion you just you just feel that just the excitement you get from it and I think I think I just really I really feel you know on a on a soul level that it's my mission it's my responsibility actually in this life to to be to be a way shower for these things I really feel like this is what I have been brought to this earth to do and I feel like you know, I know that one of my biggest strengths is communication. And I feel like through, I can kind of communicate and make people realize these things through writing blogs, through vlogs, you know, through having chats like this, um, you know, all these kind of different ways of communicating is, is how I like to get things across. And I, I think it's just also weighing up what my strengths were when I was younger, like I was always good at subjects like English and history that had a lot of writing, anything that was like creative writing or essay writing. And I had experience with YouTube in the past when I was younger, I used to make video montages of uh, like Olympic level gymnasts. And I was just did that for like four years and I got pretty good at it. And I built up quite a big following on that, which was quite cool. Um, and I think that, you know, for then at that point, gymnastics was, was my admiration and my fascination by the human body and what the body could do and admiring what these gymnasts can do. And then that transcending into yoga, because, you know, gymnasts retire when they're like 18 and then it's just kind of like yoga yeah. is like just the natural progression I found. Um, but yeah, I think it's just ultimately it just just feeling it. It's just knowing it on this deeper level that I can't really describe. Um, and like I'd started my blog two years ago and like, I don't even know why, where that came from. It was just like an idea. It's like, I just, it's, I started off with an Instagram account where I just made healthy meals and I was just posting things about that and trying to get inspiring people that healthy eating can be nice. It's not just a boiled chicken breast and some boiled broccoli with nothing. It's like, no, like that sucks. Like, yeah. you know, give me some flavors and things like that. Um, and then, I started to find more like spiritual people on Instagram. And at that point I realized, wow, there's actually other people that think this way as well. It's not just me and seeing people kind of speaking their truths on their Instagrams. And I was like, you know, I feel like I've got so much I need to express. So, um, you know, I just made a blog and then it's just kind of naturally all kind of unfolded, you know, as life does. And I'm just, through that, I think I quickly, actually quite quickly realized through staying on my website where I was like, yeah, I would actually really love to create an online business out of this. Um, and that's what I'm kind of working towards now. 
um, is, is, you know, having a, creating a business idea and uh, actually being able to monetize that because I, I know that I've positively impacted many people's lives um, through the content that I put out, but also just conversations like giving good advice, like, as you said as well, um, you know, it just comes naturally to me. It's like, I just often know what to say. And I feel like that is what my, what my gift is. And I think that's the thing for all of us, that all of us have a unique gift that if we focus on and develop, um, we can monetize and, you know, ultimately we need to get through this life. We need to make money. And I think the best way to do it is in a way that feels natural to you. And it doesn't even require too much thinking. I think that's when you, that's when you've got it. That's what life should be about. Like life shouldn't be a struggle. It should just be receiving, reaping the rewards for the value that we're putting back in. It's like a value exchange, you know? And yeah. I just think like, that is what my thing is. So this is, this is why I'm, I'm focused on like working towards and, and finding. Yeah. So it just feels right. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is something that I like to talk about with people is kind of following your passions and stuff like this, because I get a lot of people that perceive I'm successful when I'm really not at the minute. And I think it's because I just follow what I want to do. And I've always been a person that I always attempt whatever I want to do. And I think there's a real sort of, cultural issue of we're stuck in a position where to follow a lot of the time what we want to do it's not an easy path and it's not a path of you can just go out in the real world and get a job because especially for someone like yourself or me when our industries don't provide jobs like that and a will and it's always a very difficult thing to go and chase your aspirations because you've got to work hard. Um, and I think that especially there's a lot of people who aren't willing to do that and they'll always kind of be like, um, oh, I'll just get a proper job. But what is a proper job? Like sitting at a desk nine to five, not enjoying what you're doing to live for the weekend. Like it's not for me. And I think like uh, from my own personal perspective, music, sport, creativity, and ultimately I want freedom and that is my goal in life and freedom for me is to be able to get out of bed and just want to do what I want to do and that's doing stuff like videography, photography, creating videos and things that people may want to watch or just being creative, creating music, um, playing sport and participating in professional sporting environments and there's a lot of things that personally that would make me feel free and that's what I always try to pursue and I think there's a lot of judgment about people who are in these positions of these jobs that they want to do that they consider real jobs and all this crap that until people like us make our 100% living off what we want to do people always kind of grind what people that want to be following their passions do down and there might be like a lot of horrible judgmental people out there or your even your friends will be like oh why are you doing that or some some might laugh at what you do some will support you and it's important to get those right circles around but ultimately not to be scared into following what you want to do and I think especially with your spirituality and things like that because of the way you perceive energy it always makes it easier to pursue what you want to do and guide what you want to do because that's where all your energies are focused on and I think that's the really cool thing about it like mm. for me there's some things I want to do that maybe I've picked up that 
I guess I've never had a fear of being judged, but I don't like it when my friends or people that I know will be like, oh, why are you doing that? And what are you doing that for? That's like this. That's a bit like, not to be derogatory, but boys always use the term like gay. Um, but that's a bit like, that's a bit like that. That's a bit whatever. And I just think like, well, it's not. And then as soon as people see that you're actually doing well at it, those opinions change. But I think that's what I look at you with. That's the whole essence of spirituality that, you have such a really well-focused direction on where you want to go and how you want to use that energy. And that's something that I admire a lot and something that being kind of a similar position in that something that if people want to go in a direction in their life or feel like they need to pursue things or they want to go and do these certain things and they're scared of being judged for doing that, getting in touch with your spirituality and the spirit of yourself can aid that so much because of kind of the way I've kind of perceived it also, if that kind of makes any sense. Um, that's what I kind of admire about the, what you do and the way you push it all. So I think that's pretty cool in a sense. And yeah. Uh, have a look. Lots of it lost a bit of connection but i think you might be back yeah i'm back okay um yeah well i did actually lose a little bit of what you were just saying there but um from what i did here uh thank you i really do appreciate that and i'm glad that you see that um i think yeah i think it's just for me like the kind of um the kind of clarity or you know it kind of for me it kind of comes back to this faith thing and i think through that I have this belief of like knowing really just this deep seated knowing that what I put my mind to, I can do. And like, I've just, I just know that. And it's just like this from everything that I've learned and from my experience, like I just will not let anything get in the way. And I know that I can achieve what I put my mind to if I do not let a glimmer of doubt get in the way. And it's not just for me, it's for everyone. And it's, it's, it's realizing that um, again, that we are more powerful than we realize. But you have to also remember that when people are saying to you like, oh yeah, that's really gay bro, or like whatever, or like, I, like don't do that, like that's not a good idea. But when they say that, what they mean is, I wouldn't do that because I don't think that's a good idea, mm. you know? But then it's people's opinions thinking that their opinion is the opinion. Yeah. And that's what I remember in that instance, to take a step back and be like, okay, you do you but this is what I'm doing and this is what my truth is. So yeah, it's like, who are you to tell me that? Like, I think that I get it. I get sometimes it's a bit of banter and whatever with some, I think it's a, it's a, what I always find, especially culturally with guys opposed to girls is that girls are actually very supportive on the face of things. Um, in terms of say a girl, starts a new business on instagram you'll see all the friends sharing it all this kind of positive support around it whereas i think in guys culture um there's a lot of unwillingness to do that or promote each other's things properly um and i think it hopefully develops as it grows up as we grow up but i think there's always that kind of if I don't like what he's doing, I shouldn't support him. And I think that it's, it's kind of a, I think that's where 
I was saying before is kind of choosing new circles wisely is that you can be with friends who necessarily don't do what you do, but always be supportive of each other and push each, push each other's businesses because ultimately people are into different things. Everyone's into different things and everyone does different things, but you've got to be around the right environment to always push what you want to do because negative perceptions about everything never help anyone. And I've always noticed that when people are negative about the things I do, it, sometimes it spurs me on. Sometimes it kind of sits me back and think, am I doing that right? Am I doing that? But then once I kind of clear my head and ultimately like, well, it's what I want to do. I don't really care about your opinion. Like people, if you're doing something good, people will follow you. So I think it's just about kind of getting all these negative tangibles and stuff out um, and just clearing your mind and especially starting a new activity. Um, never do anything by other people's validation. So if you want to start doing, I don't know, photography, don't ask all your friends and say, oh, do you reckon I should start photography? Do you reckon I should start photography? And they'll be like, nah, you'll never get anywhere, whatever. Or just go and do it for you. And I think that's a, always a very mm-hmm. positive point to give people about direction and pursuing careers they want to do. Um, so yeah, kind of, I want, kind of want to ask like, do negative perceptions on these things like you talked about with dislikes on videos and things like that um, by people that um, aren't educated in the subject, do they ever affect you? Um, any like negative perceptions around the things you do? Like, cause I think, there's not nothing is a hundred percent easy or smooth or positive. And I kind of wanted to endeavor is to, is there any negatives with what you do or pursue? Um, even if you may believe there's not many, is there anything that impacts you in a, in a negative way and makes you think differently? Or um, is there anything that's kind of changed your perspective on certain things that you go all the way you operate? Cause I know there's a certain few things that have done that with me and I've able to either adapt my approach or dismiss them. So just kind of, working around that yeah I mean yes yeah, funny you asked that because a hundred percent honestly like I think one of the the hardest things from for me is kind of my personal kind of challenge is to care less what people think and not worry about what people think and this really stems from what I was speaking about earlier about my childhood experiences and wanting to fit in and being rejected and fearing rejection again um, and that really has impacted a lot of what I do. And I think it really made me struggle to really even embody and embrace my, my blog and my brand, Satori Shifts, in the beginning, because I thought if I was going to be posting about this stuff, then it was like, what are people going to say? This is so non-conventional. Um, and, you know, that's why I made a separate account for it rather than just like doing it, you know, when I talk about account, I mean through Instagram rather than posting through my personal Instagram. And I actually, in September, just passed, I ended up actually deleting my personal Instagram because I realized that my personal Instagram was actually story shifts. And my other one, which was called Notorious, was just kind of like, I mean, yeah, it was still me. It's not like it was all a lie, but I feel like there I was posting more things that I thought people would like more or that people would accept more you know and the kind of posts that would get like certain people's attention and you know doing it for certain people's likes and all these these trivial things which are like so real for many of us in today's world um 
but yeah so like that was definitely a big thing and that's what I've been trying to work through now I think since finishing uni and now like I'm not in that environment of being with lots of people it's really allowing me to actually become true to myself because now I'm at home and I'm not really surrounded by that many people I'm like well I don't actually have any other choice but to be myself now because like who am I who am I hiding from yeah and and also just growing up at the same time and just maturing and realizing like you know why why am I trying to be someone else and through my spiritual growth like the only person I can be and should be and need to be is me and and whoever accepts that and loves that will stay in my life and whoever doesn't then why fuck do I want them in my life like you know what I mean like so yeah like that has been a big source of anxiety and I'm still working through that majorly now like even something I posted on Instagram earlier this week I hesitated to post because you know, in line with all this, the racism things that have been happening recently, I was like, do I have a right to like make a post about something that's kind of touching on this a bit? Like, and then I was like, okay, just cause I'm like not black doesn't mean that I can't have my say at this point as well. And, you know, trying to bring in my perspective um, on it and just, just embodying, embracing and, and just being like, yes, Tori, be you. Like, it's fine. Like, come on like no one and I think half the time as well no one actually even really cares because everyone's so concerned with themselves mm. like I think of all the times when I've posted a story usually if I've been like drunk or something at uni and then like you know those really embarrassing stories and then the next day you're like oh everyone's gonna be judging me and it's like literally people will watch your story probably not even watched it till the end skipped the next one and forgot about it instantly and I think about amount of time literally hours and hours I must have wasted of my life worrying about something that probably wasn't even happening like not just with that actually with that and with so many other things but particularly in this scenario it's just ridiculous like how our minds convince ourselves that everyone hates us and everyone's judging us when actually it's not like that and if these people are judging you well then it actually shows that they're judging themselves more Mm. on the inside because yeah. if you feel good about yourself, you don't judge people, you know? I think it's a really tough barrier to overcome. Like I, I always read things about, there's always quotes of things and say like there's a hundred comments that someone makes on something you do. 99 of them are positive and one of them are negative. Everybody oh, yeah. will focus on that negative comment. Yeah. And it's mm. just part of human nature. And it's sure. a really hard barrier to overcome mm. until you're truly comfortable with yourself and what you're doing and I think I think it's just it's about changing negatives to positives and starting to focus your attention on being positive and that's where things like health and spirituality and even just good diets assist in that is that when you're in a better mood you focus on positives more and it's a very mental thing to try and overcome like myself I'm quite a I'm not a pessimist I'm a very I'm very much an optimist and I always think like always to the end extreme scenarios of imagine if I was doing this in the future and I always work towards those goals but a lot of the time I'm a very half the glass empty person in a sense that when I look at other things I can be very negative and I know that's a aspects that I need to work on and I I always kind of I always focus on a lot of negatives rather than positives but a lot of the time I do turn negatives into kind of more for the funny side of it but 
I, it's something I definitely still need to work on is that whole perceiving, um, not perceiving the negatives and changing those things into a positives and not focusing on negative negative aspects of a lot of things. Um, and I think it's, it's a hard skill for people to, to work on. And I don't, one thing in that, that I actually don't have much advice on how to change. Like for me, that's all just mentality. It's, it's a hard thing to work on and I can't really think of many ways to kind of work on it. Um, and I think it's something that people all struggle with a lot, but um, it's just something that you have to kind of deal with and work out yourself. It's not much advice to kind of, I could give to change people's mentalities in terms of changing those negatives to positives. But I guess it's something that I've just got to work on and work out myself as well. Yeah, no, it's very interesting. I think every different things work for different people as well. That's where, again, it's complex. Everything is complex and it's subjective um, as well. So I think it's just being open and being patient to trying different methods until you find the thing that works for you. So Definitely. And I think that is most of the things to cover with health and spirituality so far. Um, and yeah, so I think we've actually been going for about one and a half to two hours, which is pretty good. So uh, two hours, yeah. the, to kind of tie this podcast off and we'll probably come back and do other talks because me and Tori have got a lot in common in terms of music and family members and things like this. So there's a lot more to talk about. So we can definitely come back to another one soon. hundred um, percent, but I'd like to just kind of conclude with, um, want to know your kind of top tips or advice to introduce people to health and spirituality and to maybe not kind of say you should do all this because it helps you this or um, kind of give your your top three tips on a slow integration or introduction into what you think would help people um, discover the benefits of the health and spirituality um, and the holistic health side of things so your best tips and advice on kind of introducing people um, to this and things they can do to experiment or uh, have a small as I say before like dip dip the toes into something that can mm. hopefully grow and develop on them definitely yeah well I think like you know it's it's ultimately about really kind of connecting with that um that appreciation for life and the kind of simple things in life so even if you could start by just thinking about activities or things that you like to do which don't involve technology don't involve you know eating or drinking or you know just activities that are simply like things that you might have loved to do as a kid or things that make you feel good, which yeah, don't require any kind of external or satisfaction, like, you know, kind of substance use or whatever, like things like, I don't know, just going for a walk, reading a good book, having a bath, all these kind of simple pleasures and really just experiencing these things with conscious attention and reveling in that and really noticing the satisfaction that you get from that, which you which is different to the pleasure that you get from drinking, for example. It's a different kind of satisfaction, but this is more a more natural, more deep, deeply fulfilling kind of satisfaction. I definitely see something like that. I think, you know, if you're having a bad day, 
I'm such an advocate for meditation. You know, that was, that's been a big part of my spiritual uh, journey. And I think many people will say the same. Again, it doesn't work for everyone, but I think everyone should try it. And with meditation as well, it's like with the diet thing, um, you start slowly and you increment it slowly because it's an activity which it seems very simple, but it is very difficult. You know, like it requires a lot of concentration that you develop through doing it. But even starting with, you know, 20 seconds, literally 20 seconds or a minute or two minutes and building up from there and, um, you know, diving into kind of breathing techniques and just note, just noticing, you know, observing subtle changes that you get from these things and paying that kind of conscious attention to that and then building that up slowly and, and, and then managing to access these, these moments of stillness and peace for extended periods of time. Um, meditation. So meditation. Yeah. Yoga as well. I love uh, that's yoga is like a physical meditation, really. Um, the effects are very similar and you're, you're getting a lot of benefit from that through strength and through flexibility. Um, so I think, I think I would say ultimately these things, uh, I think I could just probably go on like recommending so many things, but I think I would just really say just breaking it down and starting simple and just thinking about what makes me happy without any of these things that I usually turn to, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a very good point. And I think that's what I'd hopefully kind of joint advise of that is that whatever you want to correct need in your life maybe it's something you just want to experiment with like we've all talked about is just build it incrementally and as Tori said like start out in that 30 seconds doing a bit of meditation or what I've started doing myself recently because I've wanted to uh, improve my flexibility and just have better starts in my days I just do 10 minutes of yoga at the start of the day I've really only started it this week um, but it's something that I'm introducing myself to because I've always been a very inflexible person as much as sport as I've done. And I've always, now I'm getting older, I want to maintain my body and make it healthier. So I'm, I've literally started by as soon as I get out of my bed, I do five to 10 minutes of just bang on a YouTube video, 10 minute yoga, yoga routine. And people, some people think that's, um strange or different for someone like me to maybe do that as a, a boy but it's universal like and there's all these different things and just whatever you kind of want to achieve as all the things we mentioned just start small and see those small benefits and increase it gradually and then once you increase it gradually you'll want to discover other elements and i think it's kind of really important to stand by with that so um yeah i think that is pretty much it um i hope you've enjoyed and yeah um is there anything you'd like to kind of ask myself before we leave or um any other things you want to touch on as well i think i'm, I'm just sort of curious to know you know you sort of touched on a bit on this already but you know what are the kind of things that you think people really needing help with and what are what are some of the questions that you know you still don't have answers to and things that you would like more knowledge on and, and you know just just for just for people in general to just be happier and live a more positive life what do you think is is where are the gaps for you gaps. right let me think so people are lacking um i think people <sighs> 
the way I perceive society, I feel people are very trapped. Um, and what I mean by that is most people will understand that there is a system in place where you have to go out, earn money, come home, and then you get a couple of hours to do what you want. And I think society is very trapped in a sense of there are too many positions in society of things that people don't want to do that have to be done, if that makes sense. So there's a lot of industries and a lot of jobs out there what require the model of society to work that we've constructed which people don't necessarily want to do and I think that's a massive issue within the UK and the world and contributing to overall happiness and I think there is people that are happy to do those jobs because money may be the motivation but a lot of people happiness and doing what you want to do is a motivation and it's very restricted by society and because of the way society is in that respect i think in our spare time people then don't do enough to pursue these jobs and careers that they want to do outside of where well, in their own free time outside of that constricted i've got to do this job environment um and i think there's a real lack in productive energy for a lot of people who finish their nine to fives and go home and the way their body feels, the way they've been tired, the way they've acted at work, most people will come home, feel really hungry because their diet's not right at work, eat shit then just go on a PlayStation or watch TV for hours or maybe go to five-a-side for an hour and then not be productive with the rest of their evening. And it's something that I've worked around very recently to help myself. And I think the large majority of society are unhappy or aren't following their passions because of the way it's constructed and the way they're using their energy in the small amount of time that they have left um, in the day. So if that kind of makes sense, I think there needs to be, I'd like to see a lot more advice from people how to best manage their energy in that excess time they have and how to adapt your diet within the working day and your morning routines and the ability to get out of bed early before your job and do something in the morning to be able to set you up to have a day of um, perfection. And there's a book, there's an audio book that Josh, Josh, my friend, recommended me. It's called, oh, what is it called? It's something called Own Your Day. I can't remember who it's by, but it's by a person who he talks about owning your day. And there's chapters to break down everything from breakfast to waking up to showering to all these different aspects of your day that if you alternate and do well, you can own your day and he challenges you at the end of the book, the audio book, as I listen to it as to 
then after everything you've learned, have one day of owning your day. And um, I didn't do it personally myself, but I listened to it when I had a major influx of anxiety. But I think it's something that a lot of people can benefit from um, is using all the time productively. And the simple thing I've managed to do from it is actually just make a timetable um, for people who watch it on YouTube, whatever. I've literally got a timetable in front of me. And this is everything I need to do in a day. And it gives me structure. And it's not necessarily a specific task, but it's just in the morning, eight o'clock when I wake up, exercise, yoga, nine o'clock, meals. It doesn't have to be specifically on the dot, but it gives me a focus during the day. So if I know it's six o'clock and I'm sat on my arse watching the TV, should I really be doing that or should I be going out to be productive? And I think that's what I'd hopefully like to see more change in society of it's probably why I don't have a big team of friends around me is because I've focused my energy and these external in these times after work and stuff into doing these things that I want to do in these specific ways by eating better, doing timetables, things like that. And a lot of people don't do that and don't make the use of all the time in the day. So hopefully that, that kind of made sense. Um, and it understands what that's what I kind of feel that is lacking a lot with people and in the world and stuff and having that extra energy after that working day, to go ahead and pursue these things you want to do to ultimately make a career of something that you make a career of something that doesn't feel like a career feels like fun so yeah. ho hopefully the breakdown of that all made sense and if that's kind of hoping to, like, yeah so that sort of helps to kind of help you find your purpose and stuff like that find find out what it is that yeah. what it is that you want from life yeah because i feel well. like yeah like like i said like the whole that the way society is constructed 90 percent of the people are going to be doing jobs that they don't truly want to do i've even seen it with you can go all the way through the professions to call center work not many people want to be doing it to builders construction workers some like it but do you really enjoy it even doctors like we need an excess of doctors people love doing doctor jobs and people's motivations of that but some people who do doctoring or become doctors may not actually want to become a doctor it stems across through the whole of society or even if you do want to become a doctor and you want to do something else how to use that excess time after a shift um, or after a 12-hour shift as a cleaner how how do you use the extra time in your day wisely and yeah just just all those kind of aspects and i think that's why there might be a lot of negative impressions in society and stuff as well just because time management is a hard skill um and energy around that and distributing energy through the day and yeah I'd, it's something that a lot of people probably won't understand um and it start it limits a lot of people from what they can actually achieve or what they do want to do or pursue yeah yeah no definitely i love that it's, that's great food for thought it's great for yeah for for me to consider as well and thinking about you know what i can keep creating to kind of help and provide advice and and kind of guidance on that so yeah, that yeah that's perceived like even looking at for yourself 
giving people advice on like sort of best way to start your day best way to manage your diet in work best day best ways to give yourself breathing space while at work best best exercises breathing exercises to do to give yourself five minute break at work how to adapt your energy when you come home how to maintain focus when lacking um, focus at the end of the day uh, what foods can you eat during an evening time to give yourself some energy or maybe attention focusing exercises on how to maintain attention on something that you're working on there's i think there's a lot of things you could potentially break down in kind of that sense of how how, how can you own your day um in quotation marks and maybe that's something that could potentially give you some inspiration to make a lot of content on um and i think that hopefully will be quite beneficial to some people and people who want to be more productive um and who want to help maintain focus or drive so yeah maybe maybe those are some points that you can oh that's great that's really really good to know yeah thank you that's something that i will uh, bear in mind um and i think that is pretty much it then so um yeah as i said before thank you for joining me tori um that's pretty much been my favorite podcast i've done so far um it's really really enlightening and uh hopefully um if people are here at the end they've um learned a reasonable amount and hopefully it's some sort of motivation to go out there and try new things and look into things like your health and your spirituality uh, and give you a push and a drive to um, pursue those new things and hopefully if it helps one person my my always goal as I always say is if any anything I do helps one person and one person alone that's mm-hmm. enough for me um, with everything I always put out if one person likes it, if one person does this that can cause a chain reaction and that's something that I've always kind of stuck by so if this touches one person and gets someone to look into spirituality it's the best thing so yeah that's pretty much it um thank you all for listening and we'll see you again soon yeah thank you is that it